okay, the parish is Akev. What I'd like to talk about is Mitzrayim. Is the country called today called Egypt. And Mitzrayim apparently was very seriously on Moshe Rabbeinu's mind. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu was speaking to Bnei Yisrael, and even though we have it in our heads that uh, what he did was say words of Tolchacha, this is not entirely the case. Uh, he didn't only speak about the bad things of the past, but he gave warnings about the right attitude in the future. And one of the warnings that Moshe Rabbeinu gave was about Mitzrayim. Now, it's hard for me to imagine that considering the fact that Mitzrayim was the place where the Jews were enslaved, Reish Reish Dalet Vov, 210 years, I mean, any amount of time they built those big buildings, Pitom and Ramses, it's hard to imagine that um, anybody would have to be warned against Mitzrayim. I mean, why would anybody want to go back to Mitzrayim? I understand that it's true that when the Jews were in a complaining mood, they would say, oh, it was so good in Mitzrayim, we had it, we had three square meals a day, and, you know, there were always scrambled eggs to eat, and uh, they complained, you know, Jews are well-known complainers. And yet, the Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, uh, position in the parish of Ekev is quite remarkable. So let's look at the Psukim. The Psukim say, Ha'aretz asher teba shaba l'rishta, lo ke'aretz v'tzrayim, hu asher yetzatem misham. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to say something that sounds apologetic about Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is not like Eretz Mitzrayim. Meaning that Eretz Mitzrayim, that's really where you want to go. That's really where you want to go on vacation. You don't want to go to Eretz Yisrael. Why? He says, Asher tizra et zaracha vishkita biraglecha kigan hayarak. So, what's Eretz Mitzrayim? Eretz Mitzrayim is a place where Tizra Edzar Achal, where you plant the seeds, the Zraim in the field, Vishkita Beraglecha, and you water these seeds with your feet. Now, how do you water with your feet? Well, there was just water there. Mitzrayim, there was no problem of water. Because they had a very large river called the Nile. So all you had to do was dig a trench from wherever the Nile was to wherever you planted these seeds. It was, it was, it's, it's like there's a problem. I have to get the water to my seeds. But in Mitzrayim, that problem could always be solved. You could always bring the water to the seeds because there's water. You just have to make a, a way of getting the water from there to here. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, the land that you are now approaching in order to inherit it, 
הקריאה יותר מובילים שם לרשתה, ארץ הרים ובקעות, it's a land of mountains and a land of valleys, למטר השמיים תשתה מים. So, Eretz Yisrael is a place where there isn't any water, where every year you have to wait for the rain to come from heaven. And that's always, there's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing about it. Even if you got the dry ice up there, you still couldn't really get the rain to do what it's supposed to in Mitzrayim. I mean, you're, people who work in agriculture, that's their main fear, that there won't be enough water. In Mitzrayim, there's always enough water. It's there. It's just there. All you do is schlep it from here to there. In Eretz Yisrael, there's never enough water. The only water that we have is the water that comes in the rain, when it rains in Eretz Yisrael. So he says, Eretz Harim Bekaot means that, means that Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, you can't schlep it. If you have a little water down there someplace, you know, collected or left over, I mean, you can't easily get it to where you want it. So you have this problem. And then Moshe Rabbeinu continues with his devaluation of Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Asher Hashem Elokecha Doreshota Tamid. Aslicha Doreshota. Tamid Enei Hashem Elokecha Ba Merishit Hashana Vadachrit Hashana. And then Moshe Rabbeinu says something optimistic. But of course God is concerned and God Doreshotatamid. God always looks into the matter to make sure that if you need water you're going to get water. But this is just a trick. Because the next Pasuk says, That's a condition. You don't just get water in Eretz Yisrael. But what is the condition that you have to fulfill in order to have the, the, the condition is that you have to keep the Torah and you have to keep the mitzvot. So, Sachakol, Sachakol, according to this presentation that Moshe Rabbeinu makes, Sachakol, where is it better? It's better in Mitzrayim. Because in Mitzrayim, you don't have to keep the Torah and the mitzvot. If you keep the Torah and the mitzvot in Mitzrayim, oh, that's great. So you get water, and you get Torah and mitzvot. But if, for some reason, you lapsed in your Torah and mitzvot sincerity, so what? You get the water anyway. I mean, you have to understand that water, water in an agricultural society is like living, is life and death. I mean, that's what they do. They wait for the water. But not in Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is always water. That's what, that's what the Psukim said. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Yisrael. Now, before we look at the Rashi, if you turn the page, if you turn the page, I want to learn, I want to remind you of a Rambam. I remind you of a Rambam. The Rambam says in Uchot Melachim Perikei Al-Chazayim, there's a Rambam. Listen to the Rambam. The Rambam wrote this book in Spain. Right when he was in Spain. He later moved to 
Alexandria. I mean, we don't know too much history, but that's how it was. Maybe he would have rather been in Eretz Yisrael. Right? Maybe he got there. But Sachakol, Sachakol, he ended up uh, in, in Alexandria. He ended up as a doctor in the court of, whatever they called him, the Sultan? Sultan. So he was a doctor in Alexandria. He's a Rambam. He came from Spain. He left Spain under unfortunate conditions. I mean, he realized that the future for the Jews in Spain was not rosy. Right? He, he was crunched by the meeting of the Christian and Muslim cultures. Right? A crunch that has continued until our day, until our time. And the Rambam wrote this in his book on Halakha. The Rambam says this, statement one, Mutar lishkon bikol ha'olam chutz mi'eretz Mitzrayim. This is the Rambam, this is the Halacha, this is a Gemara. Everything's a Gemara, right? You understand. Chutz mi'eretz Mitzrayim. You can live wherever you want, but you can't live in Eretz Mitzrayim. Min ayama gadol va'ad ha'ma'arav was, he says, he says, he's going to define exactly where Eretz Mitzrayim is. Yamagadol, Adamarav, Ababel Parsa, Alabamel Parsa, Keneged Eretz Kushu, Keneged Amidbar. Kush is, maybe it's Ethiopia, right? There's some place in Africa. So, so that's Eretz Mitzrayim. I mean, whatever it is. Like, there's some people who could translate what the Rambam said and make it understandable, but I can't. It's some place. It's someplace around where Egypt is today, right? Someplace, someplace in that area. He says, "Hakol asul ba." We are not allowed to settle or to live in Eretz Mitzrayim. Now, okay, that's what the Rambam says. That's what the Rambam says. Now, the Rambam knows because uh, he lived in. He eventually moved, and this, he wrote this probably before he moved to Egypt, but eventually moved to Egypt. So he knows that people are not going to take this so seriously. So the Rambam says something that's very, very odd. He says, B'shlosha mekomot Torah, shelo lashul the Mitzrayim. There are three different psukim that warn us, three psukim. But the only other example is, of course, lo tevashel gidi, which turned out to be one of the most important things, like a defining characteristic of the Jewish people, is that they always ate kosher food. And kosher food, one of the like, most serious elements of kosher food, is meat and milk. Right? It's so serious that, of course, you understand that the halachot that we follow today Right, the chumrot, which are all chumrot, chumrot upon chumrot upon chumrot, have very little to do with the halacha as it originated. Right, the halacha as it originated had something to do with cooking meat of a certain kind together with milk. That was what it was. You shouldn't eat, you shouldn't cook, you shouldn't eat, you shouldn't have any other kind of hanor from the meat and milk that you cook together. Right, so from that you understand that we we, meaning me, my family, we wait six hours after eating a piece of chicken. 
which is not meat, before we drink milk with the coffee. You understand? I mean, to, to, to imagine the uh, humras in kilometers, you know, like, like how many kilometers is that humra? Oh, it's a lot of kilometers. It, has, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the proposed halakha, but the Torah says it three times. So I guess that in the Jewish subconscious, the Jewish subconscious, the Jews said it three times. Three times. This must be really a defining moment. We've got to take this very seriously. Let's take this very seriously. Somebody said, somebody, Rabbi Yossi Aglili said, a chicken is a meat. Right? I mean, you couldn't sell that in too many places. What? Right. No, no. He, sa- he said, don't eat chicken with meat, with milk. And they didn't. And people stopped. All over the world, the whole Jewish people stopped eating chicken. And, I mean, today, I mean, maybe it sounds odd to you, but chicken is not meat. Chicken is chicken. Chicken is a chicken. Meat is meat. But not for us. Not for us. I remember the first time I was in America with my, uh, with my little children. So their grandmother prepared them a festive meal with steak. Steak is like something that Americans appreciate. So the kids all had one reaction. They said, Lorotzim etze, Lorotzim basar. And basar, of course, was chicken. Right? Because that's how it was in Israel. I mean, steak in those days was only something that we had heard about. Right? We, we knew that it probably existed, but the connection was very... So the Rambam says that there are three psukim that prohibit us from going to Eretz Mitzrayim. And then he quotes the three psukim. Shalom. The Rabbam is knocking himself up. He didn't know when he wrote these words that he'd end up in Alexandria. But, okay, he wrote these words. So there are three psukim in the Torah. The three psukim say the same thing. They say, don't go to Eretz Mitzrayim. It's a sur, it's forbidden. So if we remember the Rambam, and we remember the, the, the Moshe Rabbeinu in the parish, in our parish, what does Moshe Rabbeinu say? Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, listen, I know it's good in Mitzrayim. I know it's like a pleasure to live there. The water, you open the tap, and the water comes out, and you have a pipe, and the pipe goes into the field, and everything grows. Everything is wonderful in Mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu, he must have known that there's an Isser Minhat Torah. An Isser is formulated by three separate Sukim that says it's Asur, it's forbidden to go into Eretz Mitzrayim. Now, as a halachic digression, it's true that there's not much left of this Isur in some way. Some way it happened that Basar Bechalav became chicken. And you had to wait six hours until you ate your coffee with a little bit of milk. You know, as the chumras pile up on chumras, and that's how we live. But when it comes to Eretz Mitzrayim, there's a difference. Now, there's a, a, a fairly extensive literature about why 
you can go if it's not for permanent. The Rambam himself says that if, you, if you're not going to live permanently, but if you're only going for business, or you're passing through. But in fact, Jews lived in Egypt for generations. Right? Generations upon generations. Certain kinds of Sephardic Jews, Karaites, lived in, in Egypt for generations and generations. And everybody, uh, Ravavadi Yosef was a rov in Alexandria. I mean, like he, he took the job. You know, he took, no, he didn't say, he didn't say, well, what about boss of the Cholot? He didn't say that. He said, okay, it's a job, I'll take the job. I mean, he, I mean, he did, he did a job. He wrote the probably four or five volumes of the, uh, Yabia Omer in, uh, in Alexandria. So he did a job. But, uh, or, or to, uh, I mean, clearly, until the Jews left, most of the Jews left in, uh, left Egypt because, uh, uh, they did or didn't get along with the king. They did or didn't get along with the revolution. They did or didn't get along with the people who didn't get along with the state of Israel. Right? All kinds of. But eventually, they all they all basically left, except for some old people. So you have a kind of dissonance. You have dissonance. Moshe Rabbeinu could have gotten honest up and said to the people, "Look, I know you know you have fond memories of Mitzrayim. It's also it's also to go back to Mitzrayim." The second question that I have that I don't understand is like, what was the issue exactly? What was it that Moshe Rabbeinu felt was bothering B'nai Yisrael? So you might say that B'nai Yisrael brought this up in the past. And maybe they'll bring it up in the future. But they're being warned against it by Moshe Rabbeinu. So let's go back to the first page. Let us go back to the first page and look at the Rashi a little bit. Rashi points out an interesting thing. The Pasuk says, Ki That's what the Pasuk says. But it doesn't say whether Eretz Mitzrayim is better or Eretz Mitzrayim is worse. That's hard to tell from the Pasuk. So Rashi says, if you look at Rashi, that Eretz Mitzrayim is better than Eretz Kenan. Now, and this is the promise that B'nai Yisrael received when they left Mitzrayim because they would say maybe we won't, we won't get to a place, another country that's as beautiful as this country. The Medrash continues and says, maybe the Pasuk means that there's something wrong with Eretz Mitzrayim, that the land that you're coming to, Eretz Kenan, is a great place, and Eretz Mitzrayim is not. He says, Kacham Alam, Loka Eretz Mitzrayim he, Ela It's worse than Eretz Mitzrayim, Talmud Lomar. And he says, how do you know? The Rashi, Rashi quotes the Midrash that has this very odd way of determining whether Mitzrayim is better than or not as good as Eretz Kenan. What does the Midrash, what does the Midrash say? Quotes a Pasuk. Chevron Sheva Shanim Nivnita Livnei Tzohan Mitzrayim Adam Echad Bina'an Both of these places were built by the same person. V'cham Banat Tzohan so he built these two places for his two sons. 
Soan and Chevron. Derecheret. Adam bone et hanae vachakach bana et akaur. Shebipsuato shall rishon who notain basheni. In other words, Rashi is telling you uh, like a psychological truth that if I have to build two cities, so put I put all my effort into building the first one, and then it's very nice and great. When I get to the second one, I'm not so interested anymore. I'm not so interested. And in any event, you certainly build the nicer one first. The Tzoan, Shevach Mitzrayim, Tzoan is the nicest place in Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is the nicest place in the world, but Hebron is even nicer. Shahita Makom Alchut Shekenu Omer, Apostle Ben Yeshayahu, Kiyayu Bitzoan Saraf. The Hebron, Psultashel Eretz Yisrael. And everybody knows that Hebron is the worst place in Eretz Yisrael, right? The Lachain. And that's why Hebron was the place of the Morata Machpelah where they buried the Avot. Because you, well, where do you put a cemetery? You don't put the cemetery in prime land. You put the cemetery in a miserable place. So what does Rashi say? What's Rashi trying to, to explain to us? What Rashi is trying to say, or what Rashi is teaching us in the Rashi way of things, using the Midrash, that if you look at the Pasuk again, the Pasuk says, that there is a fault in the language of the Pasuk. And what is the fault in the language of the Pasuk? What is the fault? The fault is that the Pasuk does not tell you in an obvious way whether Mitzrayim was better than Eretz Yisrael, or the opposite, that Eretz Yisrael was better than Mitzrayim. So that, that you could argue that maybe Mitzrayim was better than Eretz Yisrael. You could also argue that Eretz Yisrael was better than Mitzrayim. But according to Rashi, according to Rashi, Rashi is a teacher. Right? Rashi is a teacher. Rashi wants to leave us with an impression. And the impression that I get from Rashi, Rashi is teaching me Torah. He's teaching me a pasuk. And he says that the Pasuk does not take a stand on the ultimate relationship between Eretz Yisrael and Mitzray. Does not take a stand. Because both are possible. On the one hand, clearly Eretz Yisrael is better than Eretz Yisrael because that's where we're going, that's where we have to be, that's where we have to live. But if the word better means a better opportunity for the people who are not connected to the Torah, so then Eretz Mitzrayim is better than Eretz Yisrael. But I, I want you to understand this. That sometimes the perush of the Pasuk is that I don't know what it says. That sometimes is, I know that that's not comfortable. 
But that's what Rashi says about, that's what Rashi wants us to know. Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu got up to B'nai, before B'nai Israel, and he says, I want to talk about Mitzrayim and how it compares to Eretz Israel. What does he say, Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu says, well, either one is better than the other, or the other is better than the one. I can't tell you for sure, but, but when you come to Eretz Israel, you have to daven and do mitzvot. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. The Rambam says, the Rambam says, based on the halacha, that it's also, the way the Rambam says it is this, you can live wherever you want. You can live wherever you want. In other words, of course you should live in Eretz Yisrael. Who said that you should live in Eretz Yisrael? Who said, who said you should live in Eretz Yisrael? The Rambam. The Rambam says it. That all the Tanaim and all the Moraim pined for Eretz Yisrael. When they came to Eretz Yisrael from Babel, they fell down and they kissed the ground. They wanted to be in Eretz Yisrael. But the Rambam says... There are extenuating circumstances. The Assyrians kicked us out. The Babylonians kicked us out. The Romans kicked us out. So those are called extenuating circumstances. So the Rambam says, in such a case, in such a case you can live wherever you want. There's Eretz Israel and there's a world. But there's one exception to the world. And that exception to the world is Eretz Mitzrayim. But the Rambam does not explain what is so terrible about Eretz Mitzrayim. According to what the Moshe Rabbeinu said in the Pesukim that we read, it sounds like Moshe Rabbeinu detects an issue that Bnei Yisrael might have when they come to Eretz Mitzrayim. They say, look, we have to work hard, we have to slap the water, we have to take care of the, of the fields. At Eretz Mitzrayim, we'd have to do that. Nobody did that. So he detects an issue. So the, so, but, but he doesn't mention the fact that Eretz, is, Eretz Mitzrayim is prohibited. That you can't go to Eretz Mitzrayim. That's not here. That's not in, in, uh, in the Ramah. And that's what, that's, so Rashi, in my opinion, Rashi is leading us to a pshat, which is, we don't know what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying exactly. Is Moshe Rabbeinu saying that Mitzrayim is better than Eretz Yisrael, or is Moshe Rabbeinu saying that Eretz Yisrael is better than, than Mitzrayim? We don't know. We don't know what he is saying. So here on the sheet, I quoted these psukim, I quoted the psukim, and I want to just uh, tell you, mention uh, another pasuk which caused difficulty for Chazal. <laughs> In the third, the fourth pasuk from Melachim, the second one from the bottom on page two, Vaitchaten Shlomo et Paro Melech Mitzrayim, Vaitchachabat Paro Vaviyer El Ir David Ad Kaloto Livnot Et Beito. So if we ignore the political implications or the political background, it would seem nevertheless somewhat strange that Shlomo HaMelech, in order to build the Beit HaMikdash, married the daughter of Paro Melech Mitzrayim, which I guess in those days, at least that's what they always told me when I uh, uh, learned about these things, that the marriage of a king and the daughter of a king was a kind of a, an attempt to create 
a covenant, a relationship, a, a, an agreement, an arrangement that would enable, would enable a benefit to both sides. So that even though it's prohibited to go to Mitzrayim, even though it's asur to live in Mitzrayim, according to Shlomo HaMelech, it's not pro- prohibited to make a deal with Mitzrayim. So this is, uh, these are the uh, questions, these are the questions that I think should be addressed. If you look at the last pasuk of the second page, there are two pasukim that I would like. The last pasuk of page two and the first pasuk of page three. The last pasuk of page two says this. Vayera elav Hashem vayomer al tereid mitzrayma Shon ba'aretz asher omar elecha. Now you should remember this pasuk, right? To whom did Hakadosh Baruch say first, "Al tereid mitzrayma"? Who was that? Yitzchak. Al tereid mitzrayma. Shon ba'aretz asher omar elecha. Now Rashi explains. Let's look at the Rashi before we we go further. Rashi says, Shaya da'ato laredet mitzrayma. Subject of the, of the Rashi is, of course, Yitzchak. Yitzchak thought that he should go down to Mitzrayim. Now, why did he think he should go to Mitzrayim? Why did he think that? Kemo shiyarad aviv b'yemei hara'av. Yitzchak is mamash tzadik. I mean, I mean, how can you, uh, uh, what can you do better? Yitzchak says, there's a famine. Let me look into the Torah and see if there are any directions about famines. So he looks into the Torah, he Yitzchak, Yitzchak the son of Avram Avinu, right? Yitzchak looks at the Torah and he says, it says, that when there was a famine in the land of Canaan, after Avram Avinu brought his family, right, from Ur Kasdim, they came to Eretz Canaan, directed by a Kodesh Bokla, there was a famine. So most Avram Avinu went to Mitzrayim. So along comes, along comes uh, uh, Yitzchak, and he says, look, I looked at the Torah, and the Torah has a clear answer to the question, when there's a famine in Eretz Israel, you go to Mitzrayim. You go to Mitzrayim, now this is a pellet. This is absolutely uh, like like unbelievable. After all, after all, who was who was Avram Avinu? I mean, Avram Avinu was directed by Kodesh Baruch to go to Eretz Canaan. Vayhira Av Eretz. What might have Avram Avinu said? And I said, Ra'av? I don't care about Ra'av. I mean, I have promises from the Ridona Shalom that this will be my land and that there will be a tremendous inheritance and I will be able to bless all the nations of the world with the blessings that I receive. And so Amravina should have said, I'll just wait here for the man to come down from heaven. That would have been a response worthy of Avraham Avinu. But no, Avraham Avinu says, Avraham Avinu says, just a second, 
look at the we we'll look at the pasuk. Aruvinu says, "Vayira av ba'aretz, vayeir Abraham b'tzrayim alagusham." Vayeir, I mean, after all, Aruvinu knew the Torah, didn't he? Aruvinu knew the Rambam, didn't he? Aruvinu knows that the Torah says in three different places, "Don't go to Mitzrayim." Aruvinu didn't say a pshetel. Then say, oh, it's now only for uh, this kind of uh, settling, but not that kind of settling. It's not when there's a famine or when there's pikoach nefesh. He didn't say anything. He said, lagusham. That's what the Pesach says. Vayered mitzra'avram mitzra'ima lagusham. Lagusham. Rashi says. Ra'av ba'aretz. Rashi says, botaha aretz levadah. The only famine was only in Eretz Canaan. Only in Eretz Canaan. Lenasoto. In order to test Avram Avinu. In Yaharher Achar Dvarav Shalakavishbohu Shamalo Lalechet El Eretz Canaan. Vachshav Masio Latzeit Mimena. So Rashi says, this was the Nisayon. I mean, we know that they were Esra and Nisayonot, but they're not written in the Torah. This was the first Nisayon that Avram Avinu dealt with in Eretz Kenan. Now, what was the Nisayon? Shelo Yihar Her, Achar Haftachat HaKadosh Baruch What does that mean? HaKadosh Baruch told him that this is going to be your place. Well, of course, I mean, what's the point of living in Eretz Kenan if you have to starve to death? That's not much of a present. That's not much of a deal. I mean, the deal, Barbara Mavino says, Lech lecha, el ha'aretz asher ha'eko. So the Posh of Pshat, I mean, Abraham Mavino didn't have to ask. We were going to say, yeah, will I be able to get lunch? He didn't say that. Of course you're going to get lunch. Of course you're going to be able to live there. I mean, what, are you going to go to Eretz Kedan and there's going to be a typhoon, a tsunami? I mean, does it make any sense? doesn't make any sense. You have to live there. Along comes the Ra'av. So this is uh, totally unexplicable. So Rashi says, Rashi says that the nature of Avram Avinu had to be explained to all the people in the world. And what was the nature of Avram Avinu? That nothing could shake his faith in the promise. Nothing. And that's called in Hebrew, the word in Hebrew for that is bitachon. Or actually, maybe you should say bitachon. Because bitachon in Israel is something else. But bitachon means, bitachon means that the circumstances don't affect my faith in the promise. And that was the nisayon. In other words, Avramavinu left us an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance that Rashi locates as he goes along in his commentary. And the first element of that spiritual heritage was that Avram Avinu had absolute faith in the promise. And if HaKadosh Baruch said, go to Eretz Canaan, there was no doubt to Avram Avinu that he'd be able to live there. Oh, there's a famine, and you have to act in, a, in a, an emergency, and you have to go to Mitzrayim to get some food. Okay, so you go. But that doesn't mean that the deal has in any way been abrogated. We don't always understand what HaKadosh Baruch is doing. We don't under, always understand why this happens to us and not that. And we don't always understand why 
things are uh, difficult. Uh, okay? So we don't understand. But what you have, what we have at hand is the promise. We have the promise, Rakhodesh Bokhu, that we will be able to live in Eretz Kenan forever, so to speak. This will be our place. We will be in Eretz Kenan, and that's what, that's Avram Avinu. So along came Yitzchok, and Yitzchok said, Yitzchok said, obviously I'm being tested. Just like by Akedat Yitzchak. Akedat Yitzchak, the test was a test of Avram Avinu, but also a test of Yitzchok, and the test of Yitzchok was, was Avram Avinu able to educate his son to have the values of his father? And everybody understands that education for the Jewish people has always been a, a, of primary importance because that's part of our obligation. Our obligation not just to have another generation of children, but to have another generation of of people who hold on to things that we think that they should hold on to. So Yitzchak was the author. He was the first one. He was Vayelchu Shnehem Yachdav. And Yitzchak said, if God told you to do it, so I'm on board. I mean, there's no question. There's no question that Yitzchak was the, the child of the man of faith who had as much faith as the man had. So Avram Avinu, even though Avram Avinu said, the Rashi said, Avram Avinu said, what if I kill my son? So where, where are the generations going to come from? So Abraham Avinu said, no, that's God's problem. My problem is doing what God wants me to do. Yitzchak said, that's who we are. We are the people who respond to a direct command from God. What about the promise that God made? That'll happen. There's no doubt that it'll happen. How will it happen? Basically, I don't know. But a direct command from God has to be responded to. It has to be accepted. That's what Hakodesh. That's what uh, uh, Yitzchak. That's Yitzchak. So then, when there was a Ra'av, right? When there was a Ra'av in the land, in the time of Yitzchak Avinu, Vayi Ra'av Ba'aretz. And then the Torah says, Milvad in other words the Torah says obviously there's a connection between these two things and obviously Yitzchak who was the man of faith who was the son of the man of faith obviously Yitzchak is going to do what his father did his father went to to, uh, to uh, be trying to prove according to Rashi to prove that he held on to the promise that the promise was not uh, uh, he believed that in spite of the reality the promise would be kept so he also started he went in that direction in the direction of Mitzrayim we know that Pulishtim was on the Cholfayam right they call it they used to call it Chevel Aza right I don't know what they call it today that's what the, the Philistines were they were in that that part of the land of of Canaan. So he went in that direction. Unexpected. Unexpected. Here's, here's Yitzchak. So the first tension in the Torah 
about the land of Egypt is the tension between Avram Avinu and Yitzchak Avinu. Avram Avinu went to Mitzrayim. He obviously did the right thing because he was praised by the Torah, by Rashi, by the Chachomim, right? Everybody praised him. Yitzchak wanted to follow in the footsteps of his father, but he did the wrong thing. He did the wrong thing and he had to be, he had to be spoken to. HaKadosh Baruch had to tell him. Now let's look back at the Rashi. Look back at the Rashi. That was what he thought. He, Yitzchak, thought. Amarlo, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Yitzchak, Haltered Mitzrayimah, She'echata ola t'mima, Ve'en chutza la'aretz, Kedai lecha. Okay, everybody knows Yitzchak was an olat mimah. He was worthy of being sacrificed. Technically, technically olat mimah means, the word tamim means perfect, without a blemish. The animals that are given for sacrifice in the Beit HaMikdash cannot be blemished. Yitzchak was an olat mimah. What's the raya that he was an olat mimah? Because Avram Avinu was ready to sacrifice him. And you know that Rashi says, Rashi says, the Malach, you know the Malach came down from heaven and said to Avram Avinu, Akedat Yitzchak, right? It's almost Rosh Hashanah. Akedat Yitzchak, the Malach came down and the Malach said, Al Tas Lo Muma. Don't do anything. Right? And so the Ram the 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 Medrash says, quoted by Rashi, the Medrash quoted Rashi that the word Muma can also be read Mum. Muma. Mem the word Muma is Mem Aleph Vav Mem right. So you know the Aleph is what they call a weak sounding letter. It often doesn't have a sound. So Muma could be read by some as Muma. Mum. Altas of the Rabbah, it's like the, the Medrash says that Abravino had this idea that if he takes the knife and he nicks the eyelid of his son, Altas lo Mum, that he would make a blemish which would make him, the son, unacceptable as a Corban, and that, and that way save him. In that way save him. So that's what Medrash says. That's what Medrash says. That's what Rashi says. Rashi quotes the Medrash. al lo mum So, Malach stopped him. Stopped Avram Avinu from doing that. And said, don't worry. Your son will be saved. Your son will be saved, but he's not going to have a blemish. He's an Allah Tmima. An Allah Tmima meaning worthy of sacrifice. So, the, so Rashi says, worthy of sacrifice? That's only in Eretz Israel. Because only in Eretz Israel have the sacrifice. So you have an animal, in this case Yitzchak Avinu, who's worthy of sacrifice, you don't let him out of the country. So according to Rashi, according to Rashi, Kodesh Bohu says to Yitzchak, look, it's a good svara. He said a good svara. You know, you're, you're learning good. You're learning Chumash well. 
you say, your father, when he had this problem, went to Mitzrayim, so I, when I have this problem, I'll also go to Mitzrayim, and I'll prove that I have faith in the promise, just like my father proved that he had faith in the promise. He says, it's very good, but it's not yet indicate that you're a Lamdan. Because how Lamdan would understand that there are other factors involved. Not just, not just whether uh, it would be good to prove that you have faith like your father had. Because you already proved that in any event. But you, you are an olat mima. And an olat mima cannot go to Eretz Israel. So we see that the tension was created. The tension between Abraham and Yitzchok or Eretz Israel, Eretz Mitzrayim was created because, according to Rashi, Yitzchak said the wrong pshat about the situation. And that even though Yitzchak was the son of Avram Avinu, and even though Avram Avinu taught Yitzchak about Emunah and about Bitocho, and Yitzchak had those qualities without a doubt, nevertheless, nevertheless, the situations were not repeated one of the other. Because Avram Avinu came from Chutzlarz and was not worthy of being an Olat Mima, whereas Yitzchak Avinu was an Olat Mima. So if you are of a superior status in terms of your spiritual achievement, then, obviously, you can't go. You can't go to Eretz Mitzrayim. Now, what does the... Uh, you go to the next page, there's another Pasuk. That we did Avraham and Yitzchak. Now there's another Pasuk. And the other Pasuk is in, it says, Paragmenvav Pasuk Gimel, Vayomer, Anochi Hakel Elokei Avicha, Altira Merida Mitzrayimah, Kilegoi Gadol Asimcha Shah. Who is Hashem talking to? Right, Yaakov Avinu. What happened? Yosef sent the brothers back to Eretz Kinah. And what did he say to them? Bring my father. Here are wagons. Here are oxen. Here's money. Bring my father back to Eretz Mitzrayim. Bring my father back to Eretz Mitzrayim. Uh, So in Perig Memvov, <coughs> in Perig Memvov, Vayisai Yisrael kol ha-shalom, Vayavob be'erash shava, Vayizbach zvachim. Listen, Yitzchak left on his way to Mitzrayim. And they came to Be'er Shava. You imagine that? That he gave sacrifices to the God of his father. And who's the God of his father? Who is his father? Yitzchak. That's what it says in the Pasuk. That's not something that I'm making up. And of course the question is, what do you mean Yitzchak? The minimum should have said what we say when we say Shemot Ezra to the God of Avraham and the God of Yitzchak. How did Yitzchak get prime billing here? Answer. 
Yitzchak didn't go to Mitzrayim. So when he gave the sacrifices, when he, Yitzchak, he, Yaakov, gave the sacrifices in Be'er Sheva, on the way south, in the direction of Eretz Mitzrayim, he gave it to Elokei Yitzchak. He sort of said, Yitzchak, you said he shouldn't go to Mitzrayim. After Avraham did go to Mitzrayim. So what about me? How could I go to Mitzrayim? How could I go to Egypt? So the Pesach says, Pesach Gimel. Vayobra Anochi Akel Elokei Avicha. Elokei Avicha means, who's Elokei Avicha? It could be. Plural, even though it's a singular form. But it could be Avicha. Avicha means all of your forefathers, of which there are only two. Right? There's Abraham and there's Yisrael. This is the God of your fathers. I am the, I am able to make the comparative position. Uh, to know about Mitzrayim. I'll tell you about Mitzrayim. Kilegoi gadol asimcha sham. Kilegoi gadol asimcha sham. Rashi says, "Lefish ayam meitzar al shenizkak letzait lechutzlaretz." That Yaakov Vinu was very unhappy, even though Yaakov Vinu had been in chutzlaretz, even though Yaakov Vinu got married in chutzlaretz, even though many interesting things happened, things happened to Yaakov Vinu in chutzlaretz. But by Yeshev Yaakov, bikesh lashevet b'shalva. Yaakov said, "My life is over. I did it." Why would God be forcing me to go to Eretz Mitzrayim? So you see that there is a kind of tension about Eretz Mitzrayim starting in the time of the Avot. Now let's look at the Medrash. Let's look at the Medrash Lekachtov, which is another name for the Psikta Zutrisa. Psikta is, means the paragraphs. And Zutrita means small. There's a, a Psikta Rabbita. They don't, the, the Medrashim didn't always have real names. So they were given names based on, like the Medrash Rabbah. The Medrash Rabbah is called Big. Right? Big Medrash. It doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a name. Okay. This also doesn't have a name. Vayomer Anochi Hakel Elokei Avichal Tirami Rida Mitzrayma. The Medrash says, HaKadosh Baruch said to Yaakov Avinu, do not fear. Oma Yaakov Avinu, Yitzchak Avibikesh Loredi Mitzrayim. Yitzchak, my father, wanted to go to Mitzrayim. Oma HaKadosh Baruch Hu Tered Mitzrayim. Vani Heachani Yored. What am I going to do? I'm going to go against the Torah that you taught my father, Yitzchak. How could I do that? The whole idea was that he was turning to God as the God of Yitzchak and not the God of Abraham because the God of Abraham let Abraham go to Mitzrayim whereas the God of Yitzchak did not let Yitzchak go to Mitzrayim do not fear. Do not fear to go to Mitzrayim. Fear what? 
atarate. Why was it? Why was it that Yitzchak was not allowed to go to Mitzrayim? Yitzchak was an olat mima. He was of a spiritual level that this was not appropriate for him to go to to go to Mitzrayim. And so we see. We see there are a few other psukim that I wanted to to look at, but if I had to summarize, if I had to summarize, Mitzrayim has a special place in the spiritual history of Am Yisrael. It's not like any place else in the world, as the Rambam says. You have to leave Eretz Yisrael. Uh, something terrible happens, a great catastrophe. Where should you go? Wherever. Wherever you can do well. And the Jews in the history of the diaspora have kind of worked according to that principle. They've been, they've been very mobile. They're very mobile partially because they were kicked in the rear. And partially because they were willing to grab onto a new opportunity. Right? Whether this is something that is in our nature or something that we just had to do because otherwise we would not have, we would not have survived. That I cannot tell. But certainly, we've lived every place. Even today. Even today, if you by chance, you know, end up in some place on a Shabbos that you never thought you would ever be in, and you also never thought you would ever find a Jew, you'll be surprised that besides the Chabadnik who is already there and making chont, there are a few other Jews who are also there. So, so there aren't so many of us. But we, we're every place. Every place you go, you find a few people who are proud of announcing to everybody else that they are, that they are Jewish. Um, <coughs> so, Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim for Avram Avinu, represented the means to declaring faith in all of the world. Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim for Yitzchak Avinu, Mitzrayim for Yitzchak Avinu meant reducing the level of spiritual achievement that had already been achieved in Eretz Yisrael. For Avram Avinu, it was a mitzvah to go to Mitzrayim. Because it enabled him, it enabled Avram Avinu to achieve for Yitzchak. It was a prohibition to go to Eretz Mitzrayim. Because Eretz Mitzrayim meant that Yitzchak Avinu would devalue his own sense of spiritual achievement. For Yaakov Avinu, for Yaakov Avinu, uh, this became a necessary a necessary expedition and the Pasuk says why? Kilagoi Gadol Asimcha because there you are going to get your identity and what is the identity that Bnei Yisrael came out of Mitzrayim with according to Moshe Rabbeinu that the interface that exists between man and nature. And that interface is called tefillah and mitzvot. Right, tefillah and mitzvot is the, 
is the way that we interface with the creation, with the world that God, that God made. That interface is most obvious in Eretz Yisrael. Because in Eretz Yisrael, no one can say, this is what Moshe Rabbeinu said, no one can say that the achievement of Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael is irrespective of the mitzvot and the tefillot that we're obliged to do. Because everybody sees that living in Eretz Yisrael can be precarious. However, Egypt becomes the place that represents that represents the the fact that you don't need the spiritual interfacing with HaKadosh Baruch That the water is there and you kick it with your feet and you bring the water to the uh, uh, to the place where all things are growing in Egypt. So that the idolatrous nature of Israel is a consequence of the way it was created. It was created to work without filot and bakashot and mitzvot. Eretz Israel was created differently. And so Moshe Rabbeinu in his speaking, when speaking to uh, B'nai Israel before they enter Eretz Israel, says, I want to tell you about Mitzrayim. And I want to compare Mitzrayim to Eretz Israel. And actually, I would like to remind you about the Meraglim. And you understand very well that the Meraglim are not simply an accidental feature of Jewish history. But somehow it's in the nature of things that when you look at Eretz Yisrael from the outside, even though they didn't speak about water and they didn't speak about rain and they didn't speak about crops, they brought the grapes, but when you look at Eretz Yisrael from the outside, just look at it from over there, from far away. It says, as the Meraglim did, you B'nai Yisrael could come to a very dismal understanding of things. And you could say, look, Eretz Yisrael, there's no oil. There are no natural resources that I know of. You fill it up with a lot of Jews. I mean, who could live in a place like that? On the other hand, you know, as people say, okay, so I go to, go to Las Vegas. You know, that's a place to go to. Well, I'll go to uh, some developing country where they're building high-rise apartments and they don't cost a lot of money and everything looks great. He says, but really, what you're jeopardizing is your spirit. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. And to understand that, you have to realize that the negative can become a positive. Whereas in Eretz Mitzrayim, the neutral of it, or the neutrality of Eretz never changes. Doesn't do anything for you, doesn't detract anything, doesn't detract anything from you. So that when the Torah says, Aramam says, the Halacha says, it's also to go to Eretz Mitzrayim. That Isser, that prohibition, is that you can't 
tamper with your spiritual being. Okay. Avram Avinu went to Mitzrayim. It was a Nisayon. He taught us something. He made leaving Eretz Mitzrayim into a wondrous event. Similarly, Yaakov Avinu went to Eretz Mitzrayim, but the reason that he went to Eretz Mitzrayim was that they should all leave with this knowledge and understanding that Mitzrayim was not the place where Am Yisrael could develop and grow and become uh, the voice of, of prayer and mitzvot in the world. And so, Moshe Rabbeinu, standing on the brink of Eretz Yisrael. Ramama, she says, I've got to tell you something. It won't always look good in Eretz Yisrael. But you're going to have a lot of opportunities to daven. And you have a lot of opportunities to do mitzvot. And if you daven, and if you do mitzvot, it'll rain. And God will smile upon you. And that's the meaning of Eretz Yisrael. Diaspora living doesn't seem to be such a bad thing. I mean, people do okay living in the diaspora. But the fragility of existence in Eretz Yisrael is a worthy thing. It's not something that we should look upon in a light way. This is, the, this is a tremendous challenge to be deeper, to be more serious, to be more tied to uh, God's will and God's demand that we keep the mitzvah. And so... Moshe Rabbeinu said to Bnei Yisrael, it's true, it's not like Mitzrayim, but it's better than Mitzrayim. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always checking up on us. And to be in a place where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always checking up on you, in spite of the difficulty, it sounds like it's really a wondrous place to be. Have a good Shabbos.